Hello everyone, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good any other time of the day that's possible. We are in Psalm 111, 10 verses. This psalm was written anonymously, but it vows to praise God in the assembly for his great works of redemption. Redemption is buying back someone. Uh, this psalm is similar to 112 in structure, it's an acrostic. Uh, and its message. Psalm 111 praises the righteousness of God, and Psalm 112 focuses on the blessings of a person that fears him. Some suggest that this psalm was written in the time, the time of Haggai and Zechariah, which is towards the end of the Old Testament. Verses 1 through 3. Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with all my heart. In the company of the upright and in the assembly, great are the works of the Lord. They are studied by all who delight in them. Splendid and majestic is his work, and his righteousness endures forever. This is praise for how great God is. He gives thanks and praises in front of everyone wholeheartedly. Those that love his works study them, learn from them, and delight in them. They find joy in studying his word. I love the adjectives used to describe his works. He uses great, splendid, majestic. His righteousness and holiness will go on forever, and they will never change. Verses 4 to 9. He has made his wonders to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and compassionate. He has given food to those who fear him. He will remember his covenant forever. He has made known to his people the power of his works in giving them the heritage of the nations. The works of his hands are truth and justice. All his precepts are sure. They are upheld forever and ever. They are performed in truth and uprightness. He has sent redemption to his people. He has ordained his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. He has done wonders so that they will be remembered. Through these acts, we can see that God is full of grace and compassion. Examples of his great works include feeding those that fear him, keeping his covenant, and giving his people the land of Canaan, or their heritage. He is true, holy, dependable, just, and he provides redemption to his people. God truly is awesome and worthy of all our praise. Verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all those who do his commandments. His praise endures forever. The psalmist concludes with a phrase we see used in Proverbs 1, 7. Wisdom comes from fearing the Lord, from living life with the awareness of his majesty and holiness. Once man knows this, he can begin acting in a wise way. Well, how do we apply this to our lives? Having a good understanding is doing his commandments and following his ways, because his ways are perfect. God's ways not only glorify him, which is the reason for our existence, but they also benefit us. His ways protect us from sin, from sin's consequences and the, really the slavery of it. His praise is forever, and we have the privilege to join in that grand worship. Are you joining with your life? Psalm 112. We've got 10 verses, and this psalm's author is actually anonymous. The writer shows some of the blessings that are enjoyed by a person that fears the Lord. 
The psalm anticipates the exaltation of the righteous and the destruction of the wicked. It's also an acrostic. Verse 1. Praise the Lord. How blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. The person that fears God and finds joy in his commands is blessed, and for that God should be praised. The phrase, greatly delights in his commandments, conveys a love and enjoyment of the word of God and of God himself. To fear the Lord is to have an awe and respect for God. Remember, he is the God that created all things. At the same time, the fear, to fear the Lord, is also to be scared of him. Remember, he is the holy God that created hell and and disciplines his own. Praise the Lord is a phrase we have seen before. The translation for the word, hallelujah. Verses 2 through 4. His descendants will be mighty on earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. Light arises in the darkness for the upright. He is gracious and compassionate and righteous. Blessings are mentioned for those that love and fear God. One of the blessings is physical and material prosperity along with power and righteousness. Light will shine in the darkness for his followers. Many believe this is discernment or wisdom God gives in hard times. This person is generous and he lends to others in need. Verses 5 to 9. It is well with the man who is gracious and lends. He will maintain his cause in judgment. For he will never be shaken. The righteous will be remembered forever. He will not fear evil tidings. His heart is steadfast trusting in the Lord. His heart is upheld, he will not fear, until he looks with satisfaction on his adversaries. He has given freely to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. His horn will be exalted in honor. This person will also be firm in his belief in God. He will have a legacy of being righteous. He will not be worried about bad news because his heart will immediately trust the Lord. His faith is unshakable. He gives freely to the poor because he is concerned for them. For that, he will be highly honored. Now, these blessings are wonderful and they are from God, but please do not miss the reason these blessings come. It is not because they are good people or because they are chasing good things. These blessings are for those that chase God and have Him as their chief end. We do not serve God to be blessed. That is just a positive general result. We serve God because he is worthy to be served. The wise person sees all these characteristics of God and desires to mimic God as he is the most worthy being in existence. God is generous, so the wise imitates him. God is righteous, so the wise follows suit. Verse 10. The wicked will see it and be vexed. He will gnash his teeth and melt away. The desire of the wicked will perish. The wicked hate when the righteous prosper. They're filled with anxiety, bitterness, jealousy, anger. Yet this will one day go away, because the desire of the wicked will perish with them. They're powerless over the righteous. This is solely because of our great, righteous, awesome God. He will set all things right. Okay, we've made it to Psalm 113. We've got nine verses in this psalm. And once again, it is an unnamed author. The psalmist calls on God's servants to praise him. 
God is exalted, but he lowers himself to bring up the humble. Paul may have been remembering this psalm when he spoke about how Jesus emptied himself of glory in order to come to earth. Read about that, Philippians 2, verse 7. Now, Psalms 113 through 118 form what's called the Hallel. It's a collection of songs sung at great festivals in Israel, the Passover, the Pentecost, and the Tabernacles. Verses 1 through 3. Praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forever. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. The psalm begins and ends with the word hallelujah, praise the Lord. The psalmist calls on all God's people to praise him. He desires God's name to be exalted forever, from the rising of the sun to its setting. And note that the rising and setting of the sun is a poetic way of saying all day. Some use this line to claim the Bible is scientifically inaccurate, but we need to remember the genre that we're reading. The psalmist is not making a scientific claim here. He's using poetic language. Verse 4. The Lord is high above all nations. His glory is above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God, who is enthroned on high? Our God is the only true God. He's above all nations and is even above the heavens. In other words, he is extraordinarily high above us. Who is like him? <laughs> no one comes close. There's no other who is king over all things. Verses 6 to 9. Who humbles himself to behold the things that are in heaven and in the earth. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes, with the princes of his people. He makes the barren woman abide in the house as a joyful mother of children. Praise the Lord. This great God does not live in the heavens, avoiding contact with his creation. He comes down to see what is happening and is interested in us. He exalts the poor and the humble, from the lowest, those near the refuse or ash heap, to the highest places with princes. He causes the barren woman to have children and be a joyful mother. Now, this is not with every person, but with some. He gets to choose who he will exalt. Any exaltation of any person in history is more than any of us deserve. And this is incredible that God, who sits on his throne, would not only reveal himself to us, but also stoop down to us to give to us, to exalt us, to love us. God is worthy to be praised for his acts of greatness. Praise the Lord, all his people. Hallelujah. Psalm 114, eight verses, anonymously written again. Uh, it celebrates the deliverance of God's people from Egypt and fits perfectly into the Passover celebration where it was used during the feast. Verses one through four. When Israel went forth from Egypt, the house of Jacob, from a people of strange language, Judah became his sanctuary, Israel his dominion. The sea looked and fled, the Jordan turned back. The mountains skipped like rams, the hills like lambs. The psalmist recalls when Israel left Egypt, calling the Egyptians the people with a strange language. God led them to their home, Israel and Judah, 
through the wilderness, and in that process, God used nature. He parted the Red Sea and the Jordan River. The mountains shook in his presence when he came before Israel. Nothing can stand before God and his plans. Even nature itself bends to his will. Verses 5 and 6. What ails you, O sea, that you flee, O Jordan, that you turn back, O mountains, that you skip like rams, O hills, like lambs? The psalmist asks the sea, obviously metaphorically, and mountains, what caused them to react in that form. He personifies nature to show God's great power over all his creation. They reacted because God is sovereign over them and supremely powerful. Verses 7 and 8. Tremble. O earth, before the Lord, before the God of Jacob, who turned the rock into a pool of water, the flint into a fountain of water. We see that the psalmist calls on the earth to tremble before God. God is in full control. He is the God that turned dry desert rocks into sparkling fresh water. Stones were converted into a source of water for the people of Israel while they were in the wilderness. This God who provided for them still exists and is still in control today. He is the only true God and the only one worthy of our praise. And we've made it to Psalm 115. The writer of this psalm is also unknown. (laughs) He calls on the Lord to exact vengeance on other nations which followed pagan idols that were worthless and vain. He calls on everyone to trust in the Lord. Verses 1 and 2. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory, because of your loving kindness, because of your truth. Why should the nations say, Where now is their God? The psalmist starts by declaring that we are not worthy to receive any glory. Only God is worthy, because he is faithful and true. There is no reason why foreign nations should ask where our God is. He is present in all places. With this comment, he asks God to defend his honor among the nations. Verse 3, But our God is in the heavens. He does whatever he pleases. Our God is sovereign over all things. Everything, including nature, people, all the spiritual hosts, they bend to his will. He is omnipotent. He's all-powerful. Verses 4 to 8, Their idols are silver and gold, the work of man's hands. They have mouths, but they cannot speak. They have eyes, but they cannot see. They have ears, but they cannot hear. They have noses, but they cannot smell. They have hands, but they cannot feel. And they have feet, but they cannot walk. They cannot make a sound with their throat. Those who make them will become like them. Everyone who trusts in them. Idols, on the other hand, are false gods. They are made with man's hands and then expected to come to life. They are made with wood, iron, silver, and gold. They have all the faculties that make them seem alive, but they are useless pieces of material. Sadly, a person that worships an idol fashions the idol to their liking and so becomes like the idol. They trust in something that is man-made and false and cannot aid them. And this is important. We need to remember that this is directly related to us. An idol is not just a piece of wood or metal shaped into a funny-looking thing. It is anything that we place before God in our hearts. This can range from a sport to a relationship, from food to money. It can literally be anything we can set our hearts on. 
Yet, all these things are vain when compared to our great and awesome Creator God. Verses 9 through 11. O Israel, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. You who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. We see that the psalmist calls on various groups to trust in the Lord. Only God could protect them because he is their help from all things and their shield against the enemy that's mentioned three times in three verses. He is the living God who can and does act for his own. He alone can protect us. Verses 12 through 15. The Lord has been mindful of us. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless those who fear the Lord, the small together with the great. May the Lord give you increase, you and your children. May you be blessed of the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. The Lord thinks about us. He knows his creations. Those that love and fear him will be blessed by him. Social status does not matter to God. The psalmist prayed for blessings on the people and their children. God is the only one who can bless without restrictions because he is the creator of all things. He's in complete control. Verses 16 to 18. The heavens are the heavens of the Lord, but the earth he has given to the sons of men. The dead do not praise the Lord, nor do any who go down into silence. But as for us, we will bless the Lord from this time forth and forever. Praise the Lord. Unlike false gods, the true God is over all things. He has given the earth to humankind. For this we should praise him. Our assurance of his blessing and protection lie in this truth. We must remember that this is poetry in verse 17. Some try to use this verse to teach annihilation. The, that's the belief that those that die without Jesus will just simply cease to exist. But as we will see in the doctrine of heaven and hell, hell is very real and it will be forever. The dead will no longer praise the Lord the way they could have on earth. Their lips will be silent, like their idols. This could possibly mean that no one will have an excuse as to why they go to hell. It could also mean the dead can no longer praise God on earth as everyone else. As for those that do fear and love God, we will exalt the Lord for the rest of eternity. It will be a sweet time of joy and never-ending praise to our Lord. The psalmist finishes this psalm shouting, Hallelujah! Hallelujah!